0: guys on the flies back again with another great interview and guys if you were a fan in the 80s of music you heard it on the radio over and over again sister christian sister christian but you didn't mind it wasn't it overkill sister christian it still stands to this day along with some great hits like uh you know when you close your eyes sentimental street rocking america goodbye and with me tonight is a member of the mega band night ranger with me tonight is the guitarist lead guitar one of the lead guitarists we'll talk about that in a few minutes too is mr Kerry kelly who has a who's who of music artists that he played with i'm talking about alice cooper slash jamie lane vince neal pretty boy floyd and a group that was short-lived but guys i'm telling you if you want a good kick-ass hard rock album you need to listen to saints of the underground uh and with me tonight, like I said, is Mr. Kerry Kelly. Welcome to the show, Mr. Kelly. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Stevie, man, doing good. Thank you for having me, man. Well, thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. this. is This is big time for us. Um, you grew up on the West Coast, Huntington Beach, California, right? Yep. So, Yep, that's it, man. California, baby. <laughs> so you were in the middle of that West Coast scene that really took off uh, in, in the 80s, what were your, what were some of the groups you were listening to your musical influences?
1: Um, well, you know, I, I was a little bit younger than a lot of people. Um, you know so I was like hanging out with some of my my friends, you know, the brothers were like three, four, five years older and things like that. and uh, but you know Van Halen stuff in, in the late 70s. Um, and then the Aussie records came out, you know, we loved that. Um, I mean, just, I was soaking up everything. I mean, I was like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, just going, man, this is awesome. So I was just kind of gravitating all over the place. And, uh, you know, speaking of, I know you said St. John's underground, just a, another little tag in, you know, Janie was obviously in the band from Warrant and, uh, right. but down the street from my house, um, just on the other street, like a few houses down, Joey the guitar player for Warrant lived right. over there. And uh, so I've known him since I was like a little kid, you know, he's, I don't know exactly, like maybe five years older than me, but his band would be jamming in their garage, you know, and I'd come by and listen, you know, it's a little kid and stuff. But, uh, you know, the ties go long, you know, in in Orange County in that LA scene. And I, I was just immersed in it, even though I was, you know, a little kid, you know, Motley, when they were playing around LA, you know, I got a chance to see them and I mean, all of it, man. It was just crazy. I was always just like this little kid that was hanging around. They were like, who is this little kid, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was a kid. I became a KISS fan when I was like five. And then later on, when I got to about 12 yeah. and 13, uh, I really got into a, a friend of my brother's had, had an Aussie record, and I really got into the, the hard rock scene then. I, I had to have, uh, if, if I wasn't reading it at the grocery store, the Circus, hip parader uh, metal edge i had to have oh, it yeah. i missed those days though i miss those days of those magazines i know it's all online but having a hard copy with me is uh you know i really missed that yeah so what was the first album you yeah bought those those,
1: those were the days yes they were first album i That's i you. bought um wow i don't i don't know exactly you know to be honest with you uh I know my parents really liked music a lot. You know, my dad played bass and stuff. And uh, so they were always playing music around the house, you know, um, a lot of Rolling Stones um, and Johnny Winter stuff. Cause I, my, like I said, my dad played bass. He was kind of into like power blues type stuff. Um, and then, but I remember the queen record news of the world. I think my mom bought it um, when it came out and we would listen to the, the, I mean, we wore that fucking thing out, man. And then my mom took me to that concert. I was like seven years old. Um, so wow. I got a chance to see him. It was amazing at the Forum in L.A. Yeah. Um, but so we play that. And then, you know, and then Kiss obviously came into my world at the same time. You know, and like I said, I was around the same age, like seven or eight years old. You're like, whoa, look at these guys. What is this? like superhero rockers. You know, you don't really know. <laughs> You're such a little kid. You're like, well, what the fuck? But uh, so I don't remember what record I actually bought with my own money, but I was listening to those records back then, just because my parents were really into it, you know, um, into music. And I know a lot of people I've talked to, uh, you know, or I know my friends that are musicians, you know, sometimes their parents weren't really into music, you know, so they kind of were on their own path in a way, but uh, my parents were always supportive and they were, you know, buying records and going to concerts themselves. So I was kind of like just tagging along, you know, I was lucky.
0: Yeah, that, I had I had some cool parents too. I was uh, like I said a big Kiss fan. They were buying me Kiss costumes, Kiss albums. I've got pictures at Christmas posing with Kiss Destroyer, uh Kiss Alive at Easter. That was that was like my present every year was at least one Kiss album. Um so first band yeah, first I love band it. you ran
1: uh back like in the old old days yeah the first band you started oh man uh this must have been when i was like third i guess probably about 13 or maybe 14 and you know i was still obviously just learning we're just trying to get going and stuff like that but it was a little band called blinder um and it was kind of like a hard rock type of band the singer guy was really into like jeff tate i think it was around when queens came out like he, he was in, he was older he, again i was like always a little kid i was like this little kid guitar player and everybody in the band was like you know five or six years older than me so these guys were into like you know priest you know with alfred and and then then the jeff tate vocals and stuff like that so we were kind of playing that kind of music and we just play some backyard parties and stuff like that and then uh you know, didn't really last long. And then I, I I joined another band that was starting and kind of just moved on and moved on. That band was called Empire after that. Sure, there's a million empires across the, the <laughs> globe, but this was, you know, back in the middle 80s, I guess, or something like that. But uh, yeah, like I said, I was always a young guy in the band. Every band I've been in, I'm I'm always like literally five or well, and when I play with Alice, obviously much more years right. younger, but uh, I was always a little, little kid guitar player. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, and
0: like I said earlier, you've got a who's who up here. I didn't really name all the people you did. Vince Neal, John Waite, uh, slash Alice Cooper. And then there was a band that you started in 2013 yeah. project rock. Tell us a little bit about project rock.
1: Oh yeah. That, that was a, it was a cool band. So what that was is, um, a year or two before, uh, with Alice, we were touring in in, uh, Russia. We did a tour from east to west in Russia. It was like a month-long tour, and it was us and the Scorpions, Um, and I had known James, the drummer from the Scorpions, for years prior anyway, so we were always hanging out, you know, because it was a long tour, and we had a we had a 747 dude that we are traveling on. So it was us and the Scorpions and actually this other band called Rasmus, which is from Europe and stuff was on the tour as well. So, um, but the promoter, um, that does a lot of big shows in, 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 uh, Russia, he said, Hey man, you guys should do like a super group thing and I'll be, I'll promote the shows and do this or whatever. So we said, okay, cool. Let's, let's do it. And so we just basically, called up a couple of other friends and it was uh it started off where we had uh oh I called up Tim Tim Ripper Owens you know who was in priest and I said hey listen do you want to do this thing over in in Russia with, with you know me and James Kotek and he said yeah let's do it you know who you, do you think on base and I go I don't know I was thinking maybe I'll call up Rudy Sarzo so I called up Rudy and he said yeah let's do it I know the promoter's name was Ed Ratnikoff and he goes oh I know Ed I love Ed yeah he's great let's let's do it for sure and then uh, at one point, then we had Teddy Zigzag from Guns N' Roses playing with us as well. So we just went over there and um, and we basically just played a bunch of songs from each of our kind of respective bands. We played some Priest, you know, played some Ozzy stuff. We played some Alice with Scorpions, of course. And uh, and the show, the reception was friggin' awesome. So <laughs> we did that in like the fall. And then we came back and did it in the spring. They wanted to do it again, and then we said, "Hell, this is going pretty good. why don't we make a record so then we we made our own original record, and at that point we kind of changed the name from Project Rock. So we thought Project Rock sounded like it was just a jam band kinda mm-hmm. um you know so we, we changed it to a new revenge, and that a new revenge record that we put out a couple years ago was basically just you know that band doing original songs that we wrote over a couple year period. And we recorded it basically at uh, mostly at my studio and Tommy Hendrickson's studio as well, who plays with Alice, and, uh, and that's that. So that's Project Rock, and which morphed into A New Revenge. Uh, Tim Ripper Owens, James Kotak, Rudy Sarzo, and myself. Well, what
0: was it like playing with Alice?
1: awesome <laughs> Alice is great you know I'm sure you've heard people talk about him I mean he's literally a uh a, a living rock legend I mean everybody knows it uh one of the nicest dudes around um has a catalog deeper than almost anybody incredible songs and uh so easy to tour with and play with I mean it, it was it was awesome man it was such an honor to be able to to play with him and uh Everything was was great. And it's like no complaints at all. It's like a big family over there. Actually, I was just talking to um, the production manager like about a week or so ago about some other things. We were talking about tours and, and their tour that was coming up. Like I think it's in September, he said. And uh, and everybody's still family over there. Great guys. And I know a lot of the guys obviously in the band and uh, we talk a lot. And it's cool. I was just talking to the bass player the other day as well, like two days ago. So, uh, yeah, everything's cool, man.
0: Yeah, so before we talk about Night Ranger, I, and I've got to talk about this. Like I said earlier, before we started recording, I was talking about Saints of the Underground. When I found out I had the interview with you and then found out you were in Saints of the Underground, I was like, well, dude, I've got to talk about this. Incredible album. We talked about it earlier. Love the Sin, Hate the Center with the great late jenny Lane, uh, Bobby Blotcher, and, yep. you know. Yep. Talk about that album a little bit, because a lot of people don't know. Like I said, I stumbled across it uh, on Apple, on Apple Music. And, you know, this is just a kick-ass album from start to finish. You've got some cover songs in there. One of them is American Girl from Tom Petty. But what was it like making that album?
1: Uh, it was very simple, man. Uh, it basically how that thing came about you know not to rehash the same stories but you know it was kind of like project rock we had this jam band it was the same four guys and we called it the underdogs and this was like in the late 90s like i think maybe 97 or 98 or something like that And we would just go around jamming songs that we we kind of love like we play a couple warrant songs or maybe a rat song but we would play like aerosmith and and weird things, dude, like we would play like the vapors turning Japanese and all these, just whatever we wanted to. And then at one point, uh, we just decided to to fucking make a record, man. And and so it was very simple. You know, I, I have a pretty nice studio at my house, you know, good enough drum set all mic'd up in the control room and the whole nine yards. And, uh, Janie and I were writing a bunch of songs at the time anyway. Um, for solo stuff or warrant or whatever. We didn't really know. And, um, we mainly kind of just got together, Janie and I, and kind of wrote a bulk of the songs. Bob had a couple ideas that we kind of worked up, um, worked into the songs that we kind of had. Um, and, and that was it. It was fucking really simple, dude. I mean, we, we would work really fast, Janie and I, and, uh, Bob cut the drums. He was living in Houston at the time. He cut the drums at his studio and to be honest, I mean, Janie and I just cut all the rest of the stuff at my house, man. And, and then um, and then it was done. It was very simple, very painless. And uh, and but I think the record came out awesome. And, and I think I'm very proud of it. Um, and I'm glad you got a chance to check it out. or You're getting into yeah. it. And uh, Janie was Janie was great. I mean, I really love that guy. And uh, we got along great and we worked together really. I mean, it was so easy um we probably put about 50 songs together. A lot of them are kind of in half finished stages still. I mean, there's probably 20 songs or, or so that are half completed that I have. But uh yeah, but back to the record. Saints on the ground, very cool project that I was happy to be involved in. I'm glad you you're into it too, man.
0: Yeah, and I am talking to to different people, I heard Janie was so it was so easy for him to write songs that he could just whip one, you know, a song out and like 50 minutes or less.
1: Yeah. I mean, we would, yeah, we would do things. I mean, it would work in various ways. Sometimes he he would go, Hey, I have this chorus or sometimes I go, Hey, I have this part of that part. We usually, we would have somebody, one of us would have a part, but yeah, dude, we would just knock the shit right out. I mean, literally we would have it together in, I mean, not necessarily a master, but we'd have it in like a demo state where you have verse pre-chorus, chorus kind of thing. In literally an hour, and it'd be pretty damn good, you know. Um, so yeah, we worked together pretty, pretty, pretty easily. So it, it was an awesome experience. Like I said, I really missed that guy, and uh, he was a great friend, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was. He was a brilliant and a great singer too. Uh, let's get to the to the main event. What we come here to talk about? How did Night Ranger come about? How did you come to join Night Ranger? I know you toured with them for a while, but how did that all come about before you became a permanent member.
1: Um, yeah, it, it was just, uh, kind of like the same old story <laughs> <laughs> you probably heard before. Maybe, uh, you know, um, actually when I was playing with Alice, we played up in Canada, uh, at a festival and, um, Alice was the main band and they were playing, a, I don't know exactly on the bill, a band or two before. Um, but we came down to the show and, and our other guitar player Alice at the time, Damon Johnson, my buddy, he had known Jack uh, prior because they were going to do some kind of a damn Yankees reunion at one point. I don't know when, but uh, and I guess Ted uh, couldn't be involved. And so I think Damon was trying to get in there or something like that. Anyway, um, so I, I met Jack then and Damon introduced me and we kind of just, you know, talked for 10 or 15 minutes, us all together. And that was about it. Um, and then a couple years later, out of nowhere, um, Jack called me. I was out with John Waite, actually, and said, hey, Damon gave me your number, man. Uh, we need a guitar player. Can, can you can you play with us? And I, and I was like, yeah, when? And he goes, oh, it's going to be like in a couple weeks because we have this tour. Our guitar player plays in Trans-Siberian Orchestra, but we got this tour with Journey. It was like, I think it was like a month run up in Canada or something like that. It wasn't Canada, but it was like a month run or three and a half weeks or something like that. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And he goes, okay, great. We'll send you the songs or something like that. And, uh, and basically that's how it started. So, um, I played with them that winter, uh, cause the other guitar player was doing the, the TSO thing, which usually lasts, I think it's like October, November, December kind of a thing. Then I played with them the next winter as well. And then that next following year, um, Joel, the guitar player, uh, got the offer to play with Whitesnake. And so then they just asked me if I wanted to obviously be in the band permanently, not just fill in during the TSO thing. So, you know, whenever your phone rings, basically you just answer it because you never know who's on the other line. You know what I mean?
0: One of the the things I'm big fans of is is a dual guitar player and, uh, you and Brad Gillis, I, I, we're going to talk about the the new song that's a breakout in, in just a few minutes. Yeah, playing dual guitar solos is—I mean, it, it, it's just like Rat used to do it with Demartini and uh, Robin Crosby. I was a big fan of that. Yep, it, it's just a different sound to me. What's it? You know, how do you guys decide? I mean, do y'all just play off each other when you're in the studio? Is out into solos.
1: Yeah, you know, um, that's one thing that I think is so great about this band, dude, the same same thing you just now touched on. You know, one of my favorite bands uh, of all time is Thin Lizzy. You know what I mean? And and these guys were influenced by Thin Lizzy, obviously, you know, back when they were kind of really getting going in, in 81 and 82. Um, that dual guitar harmony thing you know it's just so rad and and uh you know they kind of like embellished upon the the thin lizzie theme of that and uh so it's so awesome to be able to play these lines with with brad that i mean the legendary lines from songs but then the songs that we're creating as well but yeah it's it's basically we just try to come up with a cool theme um you know a melody line and start adding the harmonies and everything but but i think that that's a great part of this band and like you mentioned rat as well and you know, I was fortunate enough to play with those guys. So doing the same type of thing with with D. Martini, um, it's one of my favorite things to do. Like I said, the fan Lizzie thing. A lot of guitar players like to be in a band, like you know, want to be the main guy. I, hey, I'm the yeah. really guitar player. I, don't, I don't want a band with one <laughs> one guitar player. Man, I mean, I'm the man. You know, I'm kind of like the opposite. I think it's cooler to have two guitars. It sounds bigger, obviously. Yeah, you can do these cool harmony lines, You play different guitar inversions to make the sound bigger. Um, so I've always just been a fan of like of two guitars and dual guitars, you know, even if you want to go more on, on a metal side, um, you know, the innovators are talking like, you know, Iron Maiden, who was influenced by Finn Lizzy as well, you know. So I dig it, man. I, I love to be able to play these signature lines with Brad and the new lines that, that we're kind of coming up together, you know, with on the newer records.
0: Right. And, and Brad Gillis is such a, a, you know, an awesome guitar player. People don't, a lot of people don't realize, you know, he did the little stint with Ozzy after Randy Rhodes. Uh, he's on that live album. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it, such a great guitar player. You know, you get to play with Jack Blades, Brad Gillis, and Kelly Keegu, who are guys that were, you know, so great watching on MTV and listening to when growing up. What are some of those great Night Rangers? What's your favorite, if there is one, Night Ranger song to play live, one of the classic songs?
1: Oh, man. And, you know, just to back up, you are right. I mean, these these guys are, are great musicians and uh and great friends you know jack kelly and brad and uh you know even the new keyboard player eric obviously right uh they love music they love music they love playing together you know you've heard about all the infighting and in other bands i'm sure and all that nonsense i mean these guys actually like each other and, and, yeah. and love to play music together but uh um you know back to the, the songs i mean we play live i mean I love kind of playing some of the newer songs. We always play a song or two, like we're playing Breakout. Right now, the new record, we played it twice. It's always just fun to be able to play the new songs we are playing somehow, some way on uh, from the last record. But as far as the legendary Staple songs, um, Don't Tell Me You Love Me is probably the main one that I love to play. Just the heaviness, it's in F sharp. If, if you're a musician, it has that cool, Thin Lizzie had a lot of songs in F sharp, so I love F sharp. Um, that's probably my number one. Obviously, you know, the, the crowd, the big tearjerker is Sister Christian. And that's, it is fun to play that live because the whole friggin' crowd is singing and they're having a great time. You know, so that's a, a reaction is awesome. But as far as the, the guitar intensity and stuff, I'm going to go with, with Don't Tell Me You Love Me.
0: That's awesome. That's an awesome song there. All right, let's talk about the new album coming out August 6th and the band played on. You guys got yep. the single out. And I've, I've sat here and listened to it over and over. And like I said, one of my favorite parts of this new song breakout is the dual guitar solos. Like we just talked about. It's one yeah. of my favorite parts of the whole song. This is a, a rocking song and it's just a great song. You you guys, uh, what kind of reception, you said you played it in concert. What kind of reception are you guys getting on?
1: So far it's been great, man. We played it twice, man. We, uh, we played it last week and the, and the week before, and uh, it's going over good, man. I mean, people are digging it because it's high energy. And like you said, it's got a shitload of those, you know, harmony guitars all over the place. So it's, it's, it's rad, you know, and uh, yeah, it's been good. And and even though the song's kind of only been out for a few weeks now, I think people are taken to it, man. So that, that's a good sign. You know, speaking of last week, and don't tell me you love me, uh, we were playing, it was a very strange bill, um, it was a festival, and it was it was with like a band called All That Remains, a heavy band. Uh, Phil from Pantera was playing. Limp Biscuit, believe it or not, and uh, <laughs> and Corey Taylor, dude from from Slipknot. He, he's he's such a, a great guy and right. a, a awesome musician. I, I love love everything that guy does. But uh, and, I, and and Corey actually came out and jammed with us on "Don't Tell Me You Love Me." It was awesome.
0: I actually posted. They did. They had a video and a story on that. I actually posted that on my my Twitter on the on the face on my Twitter and, and Facebook page. By that, I did see that Corey Taylor is one of those guys. He's just so talented, and he he can do just about anything. He can he can do hard rock, and then he'll he'll slow it down a little bit, and you would think that's not that can't be Corey Taylor. But yeah, Corey Taylor
1: is so great. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah he's a, yeah incredible incredible musician, uh, great guy, nicest fucking dude, and yeah I mean he can go any like you said he can go from Slipknot to 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 playing Stone himself out. an acoustic guitar. I mean it's it's awesome, and and you know it, 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 he has appreciation for music. You know a lot of people that are really into like say metal kind of are, are have like tunnel vision a little bit. There if it ain't metal or if it ain't uh, heavy yeah. as hell then you know you're lame or whatever. But I mean dude, like at that show, he stood on the stage, dude and watched our whole show and then he come came running out on Don't Tell Me. You know, <laughs> it's I, I don't even know what to say. You know, it's it was awesome. So, yeah. I just remember seeing him
0: uh, when Prince passed away, him due the Purple Rain and I was just like, "Wow, this guy's so talented." Uh, but
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Talk a little bit about being able to get back out on the road again. How does that being after this whole COVID situation pretty much took you off the road? I know that's when you guys did a lot of the, the stuff for this album, but and that deals with a lot of what's on the band played on.
1: Uh, but Talk about being able to get out on the road again. Yeah, man. I mean, we're really ramping it up here. We've been playing a lot the last couple of months. You know, basically, you know, June and July, it started kind of coming back, and we have dates that are all the way through, October, we're pretty much booked, um, which is rad. Uh, you know, last year, we only played a handful of shows, I, I think like eight shows or something like that during the, uh, the, the heavy COVID lockdowns. But um, I mean, we're excited, dude. I mean, all the shows that we played here that, like I said, the last couple of months, people are coming out in droves and they're so happy to be able to hear music and be entertained and jump around or do whatever they do. And we're happy to, to play for him, you know? And uh, I mean, if you're not concerned and you want to come out to the show, we love to see you. You know, if you are concerned, then I guess you could stay at your house, but it uh, <laughs> doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, we want to play for the people. And so far, the reception has been incredible, man. I mean, it's it's just been great. So we're, we're happy to be out here playing and entertaining the people, man.
0: Yeah. I've got to ask you this question because this is something we talked about on on the podcast a lot, and I I want to get your opinion on this. There's a lot of people saying they don't want guy, classic groups like Night Ranger to come out with new music. Uh, nobody wants to hear the new music from you know just and but they'd rather hear the classic stuff. What do you think about when you hear it? Because I really like. With ACDC came out with stuff. Alice Cooper come out with new stuff. That were, and both of those were great. And I'm dying to hear the rest of this Night Ranger album. But what do you think about when you hear people say nobody wants to hear a classic group come out with new music?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I don't really agree with that. I mean, I kind of think it's a it's it's lame. Um, you know, a lot of these bands, you know, like I said, I mean, heritage bands or legacy bands or whatever. Like I said, they don't. They think, Oh, people only want to hear these first couple records or whatever. We don't need to do anything new. And I mean, our guys, you know, Night Ranger and like you mentioned, Alice or ACDC and hell dude, even though they don't release records that often, but even the freaking rolling stones, dude, 60 yeah. years later, they're still putting new music out. And I think it's a testament to guys liking to play music, play music together and, or create art, you know, it's, I mean, music is a form of, of art and, uh, that's one thing that I think is great that that we're able to do every few years we're putting new records out new product and uh and it's fun to create music I think. So I think it is yeah maybe you're not selling 10 million records like the old days but uh I mean hey it's an outlet it's something that I think should be done and I think it's a bummer some bands that that don't embrace that for whatever reasons I mean I'm I'm not the boss of them but uh I'm proud to be able to, to be with guys that do want to create art and, and put some new music out for whoever wants to hear it, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: All right, let's talk a little bit about and the band
0: played on. What are, what are some of the songs? Of course, uh, we Breakout is already out there. That's a great song. It's a high energy song. What are some of the, the songs that you're really excited about on this album?
1: Uh well yeah there's a lot of great cuts on the record. We actually uh cut 14 songs. I I think there's 11 on the yeah. American release and I think of I think there's the other ones are like special ones like for Japan or for iTunes or you know it's always some kind of special little things. I don't know exactly everything about it. But uh some of the songs I personally really like, I mean, obviously Breakout is, is great. It's kind of one of the lead tracks. Um, the first song on the album is all is called Coming For You, and I think it's great, man. It's an incredible lead-off cut, um, so I think people are really going to get excited about that. Another cut called Cold As December, um, I really think is, is awesome. Um, a song called Hero, which is a ballad, is an incredible ballad, um, I believe, and I think I mean I love all the songs. You because you know they're kind of like you've worked on them for so long, they're ingrained in you. But but those are some of the ones that, that I personally really love and 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 I gravitate towards coming for you, uh, Cold as December, Hero, Great Ballad, and, and Breakout is awesome as, as the lead track, you know, on on the as far as lead lead single, I guess you'd call it these days.
0: Yeah, and I'm looking
1: right now at where you can
0: order pre-order. The, uh, and the band played on vinyl, yellow vinyl. I'm a big vinyl guy, Now I'm getting back into vinyl. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh gosh, my wife's going to kill me if I order this. But uh, yeah, I'm seriously thinking about going ahead and ordering this vinyl. It's limited to 400 copies. If you guys are vinyl guys out there, go to the Night Ranger website at nightranger.com. Go to the store, and you can see it there. It's limited to 400 copies, but it's pretty, pretty good-looking yellow vinyl up
1: here. Um, you guys are gonna. You're, you said your own tour. Yeah, I think. I, Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. Sorry, brother. I was gonna say on the uh, on the records. I think that they're gonna have like a few different versions. Um, I'm not sure, but I think there's like five different versions, like red, yellow, you know, green, clear, whatever. But yeah, I mean, vinyl is so rad. I mean, that's something that obviously I grew up with, you oh, know. Yeah, and then they too. came out with the cassette. Oh, well, they had. That you know, your know, vinyl cassette, and then obviously switch to CD. But uh, you know, I have my record player and and all that crap, and it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's so cool to have 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 your own record, especially when they do the gatefold ones, and you're like, wow, this is so cool, you know. Yeah. So it's rad. So we're we're all very proud that they're doing all those custom uh vinyls again.
0: Yeah, and you get a bonus track on, on this vinyl too. Uh, uh, it's 11, 11 songs plus the bonus track. It's Savior. Uh, that's on the CD and LP versions only. So uh, before we let you go, i got to ask you about this. Yeah. I'm a big craft beer guy, and I was reading that you uh, – yeah.
1: Aces and Ales. Talk a little bit about – are you still with a- having the Aces and Ales? Absolutely, brother. Yeah, I started Aces and Ales, which is a uh, craft beer and scratch food restaurant uh, about 13 years ago. We have two locations in Las Vegas and we're building a third location right now, which is the same concept, but it also is a brewery as well. So it's, we're going to have, you know, like 50 draft beers and scratch foods, but brew our own beer there as well. Um, and it's called aces and ales because of, we have games, you know, video poker, of course you got to when you're in Vegas, right? Yeah. So that's the aces part and the, and then the ales man. But uh, yeah, I mean how that started was, um, you know, I've been into craft beer for a long time. Some of my buddies in in California and San Diego started companies back in the, in the '90s um, when it was not in fashion, stone brewery and a company called Ballast Point, stuff like that. So I'd kind of been around it for a long time, and it was weird, dude, in Vegas, there was like no craft beer really. Um, there was like a void in the market. so I just decided to, to start a place, so it, it took about a year to find the first location. So it was about 14 years ago, actually. And then, uh, we opened up and, uh, we were like the grandfathers in, in, in Las Vegas now, because, you know, nowadays you can buy craft beer at the friggin', you know, gas station. But back then there was really no craft beer around. So that's what we do. Like I said, all scratch food, you know, we have no freezers, everything's made from scratch every, every day. And, uh, and like 50 uh, craft drafts and and then the brewery's on its way man but yeah you could gravitate over to acesandales.com and you can check it all out.
0: Yeah we ha- we have a we have one around here but with this covid and with the workforce it's, it's not been able to be open at night and I'm cuz they had the best chicken wings I've ever had. I'm a big chicken wing guy. They had the best wings ever, and the beer is great there too. Oh. But if I ever get out that way, I'm gonna definitely have to check out Aces and Ales. Um,
1: Absolutely,
0: yeah, Mr. Kelly. Thank you so much for taking time out
1: of your busy schedule. I know you guys, you guys are playing in Minnesota tomorrow night. Yeah, man, Moon Dance Jam. It's a it's a big festival out here. It should be awesome. I played here before with Alice, and uh, we're looking forward to having a great time with the people, man.
0: Well, yeah. If Guys, if you get a chance to see Night Ranger on the road this year, go out and do it. And by all means, August 6th, get your copy of And the Band Band Played On, whether it's digital on Apple's iTunes, buy the vinyl, the CD, or whatever. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, And the Band Played On from Night Ranger coming out August 6th. Mr. Kelly, thank you so much, guys. I'll be watching you guys, checking out what you guys are doing, and can't wait to hear the album.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you for having me, Stevie. Have a good night out there. And, uh, and yeah, pick up the record. Check out acesandales.com, nightranger.com. Got everything on there. And uh, look forward to seeing all the people out there rocking this year. All right. Thank you so much. Guys, that is Kerry Kelly from Night Ranger.